What up, what up to the followers? Welcome back to the Galati Pod, episode nine of the Galati Pod. Episode nine, Michigan at number one in the Big Ten, number five nationally. What up? <laughs> so we're almost at our 10 pod and 10 episode of the pod anniversary. Something special is happening. Uh, anyway, this is your host, Sean Galati, along with the homie, the co host, uh, Samir DaCosta. What up? And uh, Samir, what do you think? Should we get a little rap intro going? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so let's get this rap intro going with Into Club by 50 Cent because, man, it's just a party environment. We just beat Michigan State. I mean, we're recording this on Wednesday, October 24th, but we still feel super hype. Super hype about that win. Gotta start off with some shout-outs as always. Shout-out to the team. Shout-out to Jim Harbaugh. Shout-out to Don Brown. Rest of the coaching staff. Shout-out to Ben Herbert. Yeah. Strength and conditioning coach. We just mauled these guys in the second half. Shout-out to Jim Hackett for getting Jim Harbaugh here. Right. Forgotten hero. Uh, Shout-out to the FOTPs. That means friends of the pod. Shout-out to the POTPs. Now we got parents of the pod listening to me. Nice. (laughs) Shout-out to mom and dad. (laughs) Shout-out to mom. It's her birthday today. Oh. Happy birthday, mom. <laughs> Happy birthday to Samir's mom. Um, yeah, shout out to everyone. So we're recording this on Wednesday, but we still feel super hype about the win against little brother, MSU. Yeah, I said it. Yeah. Uh, They'll always be little brother, <laughs> no matter what. And Mr. Bunyan is back home in an arbor, and Harbaugh is crying maize and blue tears. I know. that. that uh, it's interesting that uh, they have players recording... Or like doing like Facebook lives or Snapchat lives in the locker room, but it's like cool to get that reaction, that like pure raw emotion from Jim Harbaugh. Exactly, that's something we couldn't get obviously 30, 20 years ago. So that was cool to see. Um, we love you, coach. <laughs> and last but not least, shout out to the homie Samir for doing this podcast with me for nine weeks now. Nine weeks. And thank God to the Michigan gods for blessing us with an awesome season to cover. <laughs> uh, so, all right. So let's kick, kick things off. This is your first podcast. Here's how we do things around here. We'll do it. This time we'll do a pregame recap. Obviously, we had this pregame incident. Right. So we'll start it off with that. Then we'll do the game recap, starting with the defense this time for their dominant performance. Switching it up. We'll go. We'll do a nice mailbag session. We got some questions from the followers. We'll go around the Big Ten. Do real talk over reaction. Actually, before that, we'll do around the whole country segment. <laughs> We're going to do a quick, let's see who we need to root for and against. And because, I mean, this is cool. Michigan is like in the hunt for the college football playoffs. Like after that Notre Dame loss, no one thought that would be a possibility. But it's just like this team is coming together. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. So we'll hit you guys with that. Um, everything is spiced up a little bit this week with some nice stat research and quotes from the players and coaching staff. And we got a nice, some nice music interludes for you this week. Right. Special episode. So listen to the end and we'll keep it hype for you. And we'll also have a Bowie picks. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, recurring segment now, third time. Well, Bowie's 2-0 and on the season. Yeah. So we got to bring her back for her pick against Penn State. Um, all right. So... We'll start it off with the pregame then. So, obviously, we were we had our own players on the field. Quick synopsis. We had our players on the field, and then MSU comes along doing their traditional 100-yard march, right. arms locked, right. uh, with our players still on the field. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they kind of closed on some people. Obviously, yeah. we kind of instigated some altercations there as right. well. Um, but anyway, what, do you, what did you think about so, it? So, I mean, at this point, I think it should be 
just kind of simmer down. I mean, yeah, it happened. Nothing like egregious happened. They fixed the field. MSU just got fined $10,000. I mean, I think that just shows you that after the Big Ten looked at it, like it was clearly MSU's fault. Like players were on the field when they were supposed to be on the field. The players had no uh, – MSU did not have a right to walk down the field at that time. Not if they had been five minutes earlier, sure. I don't think Michigan players would have been there. You know, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter this the last couple of days just saying, well, MSU was only, you know, two minutes late. Michigan should have let them do it. It's like – Dude, it doesn't matter like if you're two minutes late or ten minutes late. Like late is late, and I I do think the incident's silly. It just kind of got escalated to like weird proportions for no reason at all. But I'm glad that I feel like we can kind of put this behind us, especially since MSU plays Purdue this weekend. Like I feel like it's going to simmer down from their side, and I feel like it'll peter off from our side as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on this as well. Um, I again, I think the big problem is regardless of what time it was. I just think if the, if your coach Mark D'Antonio and your players are lining up for this march and you see these Michigan players there, why are you going ahead and doing this march? Right. You're supposed to be the grown-up in this, and he's standing behind them, marching five yards behind them and smiling during it right. as his players are getting in fights with these guys. I mean, it, it's just... I mean, Harbaugh called it Bush League. D'Antonio said, that's BS. Look at the film. We looked at the yeah. film. It, <laughs> Harbaugh came back and said, it's not BS. It's actually fact. And yeah. and now MSU got fined. I mean, $10,000 is kind of ridiculous given how much revenue these mm-hmm. programs get. But yeah. anyway, yeah. Yeah, I think the interest, like the funniest thing I think coming out of it, this is like Mark D'Antonio saying, look at the film. Like, if you do something wrong, like you're a high profile enough coach in a high profile program where there's a camera on you at all times. Like, <laughs> like, come on, you knew you were behind your players. Like, like that part just doesn't like skip your memory from like five hours ago or six hours ago. Exactly. Anyway, uh, there was a, a photo of Devin Bush standing in front of all the MSU players by himself uh, with all the MSU players lined up in front of him. And nobody was really there with him as the MSU players were doing their march. And I felt like in that moment, uh, Jim Harbaugh had something to say. All right, we're back. That's right. Galati Pod has some music for you this episode. Some music interludes. You didn't see it coming, but we're spicing up this pod, man. Uh, <laughs> all right, so let's get in. <laughs> all right, so let's go straight into the game recap then. And like I said, we normally go offense, defense, but we got to go defense and offense this week because the defense right. just had a dominant mm-hmm. performance. So let me, let me rattle off some stats for you. So Hit, hit us. MSU never crossed midfield in the entire first half. And now let me give you some numbers. MSU, 94 total yards on offense on 51 plays. That's a 1.8 yards average. Mm -hmm. MSU had 15 total rushing yards on 23 carries. That's a 0.7 yards per carry average. (laughs) MSU had 79 total passing yards on 7 of 28 passing, 25% passing. MSU was... 0 for 12 on third down. MSU had three three and outs. They had 24 was the most yards per gained by MSU on any one possession. That's insane. And that's all I got for you. So. I mean, it just shows you 
how dominant uh, Michigan's defense was. I think uh, one of the funnier things that happened this week when I was listening to just like various Michigan pods was uh, the MGO Blog Podcast talked about uh, Michigan just pulled off a they called it a running Rutger. It's when a team when you score more team more points than the other team has yards, but I, I believe Michigan State had 15 rushing yards. Uh, Michigan Michigan scored 21, so Michigan had more points than they had rushing yards. So it's like a running rucker, and I and I believe that that harks back to the day of 2016 where we beat Rutgers 78 nothing, and they literally had less yards than we had points. I mean, <laughs> 78 yards is a lot, but. Right. I don't know. I, I just think that's funny. Um, <laughs> it's nice to put a little brother in his place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, as Chase Winovich said after the game, sometimes yeah. your little brother starts acting up and you just got to put them yeah, in the place. Yeah, I'm glad he said that. Like, just like Michigan is just the better team. Like, no matter what happened, like, I know, like, they've won eight out of the last 11, but, like, it's still Michigan. They're still Michigan State. Well, like, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I know that sounds cocky, but I don't know. This is how I feel. <laughs> it's how you feel. And this is, this. I mean, you're a co-host on the pod. You can say what you want. Um, anyway, let's talk about some specifics on the defense. So, I mean, in general, what are the critiques we have of this defense? What can we possibly say? <laughs> that was one of the epic dominant performance of the ages. I, I don't know. <laughs> but I do got at least All one right. thing to say. <laughs> um I mean, we could talk about the positives, but I'll start it off with a negative. Why don't we do it that way? I don't even know how you can find a negative in this performance, but hit me. All right, here it is. So Josh Uche, shout out to him. Two sacks in this game, another great game, and he's really coming into his own. But I mentioned it on a pod earlier um, that we had that when he's coming at these quarterbacks on the blind side and they're not seeing him, he could really make an effort on these balls. So his second sack, quarterback didn't see it coming. I'm not going to actually fault mm-hmm. him on that one. There's a lot of people, t- tight spaces there. But his first sack in the first half, he really could have made a play on this ball. And like, yeah. there's just these fumble <laughs> opportunities that the defense can have to even take it to the next level. Josh, if you're listening, strip sacks, <laughs> man. Come on. Strip sacks. Get these. Get the ball out of there and get yeah. yourself in the end zone. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I mean, do you want to talk about just like position by position? O- only thing I want to say... Uh, in particular was so Rashawn Gary did not play right Chase Winovich last game when Rashawn Gary didn't play was kind of like held to not mm-hmm. the great statistics right, right. but he made his presence felt he in did. this game yeah so that was really impressive mm-hmm. and the whole D-line Monet uh, Uche hey. Winovich and Quiddy Pay and right. Solomon like these guys Dwayne Four was in there yeah well. Dwayne Four got a sack yeah, I mean yeah. these guys look so good yeah I mean can you like Obviously, we can we'll get into Rashawn Gary in a little bit, but like when he comes back, I believe we'll have a completely healthy defensive line, first time in a while because Solomon was injured at the end of the year. Then Rashawn Gary got injured last game. We had Dwan Four out for a little bit of the game. So, man, like if Rashawn Gary can come back, and I hope he does. All signs point to him. Like once he's healthy, he'll come back. But man, that can be just a dominant like 2016 dominant force no no doubt about it and and then the only other thing i want to mention is so the secondary overall for this whole game was straight up lights out a lot of those sacks uh and pressures were coverage sacks and pressures um david long had another incredible game uh lavert hill another incredible game actually lavert hill after the game got uh he's a semifinalist now for the jim Thorpe thorpe award yep uh, I personally think it should be David Long, not Lavert Hill. 
again, no teams just don't throw at David Long. So he doesn't get right. enough love. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, they're both playing incredibly well, and they they the secondary just yeah. played awesome. Yeah, one a couple things I want to say just to like wrap up the defense was Michigan State's only scoring drive was a two play seven yard trick play, which I mean, if you're giving that up, I mean that's great for Michigan and a feels good man is. You know, when we had that Wisconsin game last week, toward like that last drive that Hornibrook had, like, yeah, Mich- like Wisconsin scored, and it was like, well, I mean, kind of Michigan was just like prevent, making sure like, you know, no one got stupid penalties or anything. But it felt really good that at the end of the game, when Michigan State was driving down the field, we just got those two sacks to like kind of put the game out of reach when, you know, they had to go for it on fourth down, they missed. So it just felt good that like, Michigan State didn't cover the spread, and like towards the end of the game, even when like we were kind of in like, prevent mode we still were able to get two sacks and like keep them off the scoreboard at that point right uh so don brown best coordinator in football oh yeah harbaugh loves him the players love him and i feel like right now he just got his own anthem That's right. We got more se- <laughs> more music interludes for you on the podcast. Uh, anyway, let's switch it over now to the offense. So, all right. So, um, ups and downs as opposed to the defense. Um, so, let's talk about this. So, there was – I'm curious to get your thoughts on this in particular. Sure. So, we had four straight drives in the first half where we started past our own 40. I think mm-hmm. three of them actually started in their territory. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we were playing one of the worst passing defenses in all of college football, and we came up with zero points on those four drives in the first right. half. Mm-hmm. We had a missed field goal on one of them, and then three punts on the other three. Right. And keep in mind, you don't forget about we. Uh, at this point in time, in the first half, the sun was out, mm-hmm. <laughs> the weather was dry, right. And we're playing one of the worst passing defenses, and it was and it was looking like that. What did you think about that? I usually don't try and question Harbaugh, but it did seem weird that we did that. And the reason I'll say that is Michigan State like could not move the ball like at all. And our defense was just playing amazing. I I find it weird that in one of those situations they just kind of didn't go for it on fourth down. And the reason why I say that is like Michigan State wasn't moving the ball. Uh our defense was just like stout. I can see Harbaugh not wanting to do it because, like, you know, weather, Michigan State, magic voodoo. But, like, I feel like at some point you just kind of got to take that chance. And, God, that that field goal attempt by Nordine was just trash. I just, like, I, don't, I just, like, did not know why he didn't go for it, like, at least one time. I can understand weather. I can understand Michigan State voodoo. You kind of want to play conservative. But, God, with that defense, I feel like you need to take those shots. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with you there. Uh, in general, I think teams in – can go for it more on fourth down than what they do. Uh, I'm not going to really talk about the fourth down plays, but just the play calling in general. So I'm not going to fault Harbaugh on this. It's it's Pep Hamilton calling the plays up there. And we were just running so much. 
when the weather was nice right. in the first half, when we knew the weather was going to be not so nice in the second half, mm-hmm. and especially like every single first down is a run especially in the first half. Mm-hmm. Every single first down yeah. was a run, and it was so predictable, and their run defense was holding their own, and we couldn't move the ball, and honestly, it was a little bit frustrating. So, I mean, we were only up 7 nothing in the half, and like I said, four of we had four drives where we started past our own 40 and mm-hmm. got zero points yeah, on that, those. I think that's, I would say that's unacceptable at some points because, you know, when you're playing against, you know, Penn State and Ohio State are two big games coming up. I feel like there are going to be those times where you're going to have to go for it on fourth down, and it'd be nice to give that team that experience. I mean, towards the end of the game when it was 21-7, or was it 14-7, it was like a fourth down, and, you know, we did convert a fourth down where Shea pulled that read option from Ben Mason. Yep. So, you know, it's it's interesting to see that we have these plays in our arsenal, but it, it's it'd be nice to like kind of expand that and like you said, throw the ball a lot because sometimes I feel like our rush offense can get a little bit predictable in those situations. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, but to just talk about what you just mentioned, so yeah, after going up fourteen seven, we had a fourth and two where Shea kept the ball right. for the first time in the whole game on a read option, and he did it again on that later drive, and uh-huh. we end up scoring. So that was awesome right. to see. Actually. I mean, Fox is horrible in covering the game, but they had two really nice camera angles where they yeah. showed how late he pulls right, the right, ball right. away from Karan, and it was super cool to see that. Um, yeah, right. And I think one thing that I, like an overall theme for this game, the first drive and the third drive, when like we actually drove the ball down the field as opposed to that bomb that shade threw to DPJ, was we talked about this when Ohio State beat Texas TCU, how good teams take advantage of opportunities handed to them. And both those drives, uh, the first one where uh, I can't remember whose it went off, but Nico came back and caught the ball off the tip ball, extended the drive, we scored a touchdown. And then even that last touchdown we scored, that play where Gentry was out of bounds, it was like a tip drill, he caught it and then ran down. I mean, those are two plays that easily could have gone the other way where you know the ball yeah. hits the ground both times, 100%. the first time we're punting. So it's good, like, you know, we say you know, it's not luck. Like, luck happens, but then you have to take advantage of that luck. And it seems that we can do that at this point, which is, like, very, very encouraging to see. Guys were engaged, which right. was uh, till the whistle blew, which was super cool to right. see. Uh, but just to continue on some of the negativity here. Okay. So, second half then starts, uh, and there was this sequence where Chris Evans had a fumble. They right. score. So, now it's 7-7. We get the ball. We punt. They fumble they the punt in their territory, and then Karan trips and, and gives fumbles. them the ball right yeah. back. And this is when it's a tie game. At this point, I was uh, – so shout-out to Brian for hosting uh, right. the game. But at this point, we were just like mm-hmm. just all in awe at the TV. Yeah. What did we do? How did we screw up How the first half so yeah. poorly? We're at 7-7, they have the ball in this situation. And that just goes – I just want to reiterate, I really think that first half play calling, especially when the – uh, when it was dry out, I, I really wish we threw the ball in this horrible pass right. defense. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, before we end the offense, we got to talk about the O-line. They just started mauling, mauling people. people. Like halfway through the quarter, yeah. through the end of the game, it seemed like the MSU rush defense couldn't hang anymore. And that again, shout out to Ben Herber for getting right. these guys in mm-hmm. shape. But yeah, I mean, one interesting thing was JBB, Juwan Bushel B. Right. On the right side, he got injured, and who came in? 
It was uh, Stuber. Stuber. Yeah, not what we expected. We expected James Hudson, and I think we kind of find out why later on. Yeah, so if you're not, if you didn't hear about this after the game, James Hudson, the backup right tackle, mm-hmm. uh, he's he announced he's transferring from the program, and actually, I don't. I think it was what happened in the the timing of it just shows to me that I think it was what happened in the game that mm-hmm. made him now announce he's going to transfer. Yeah, Harbaugh Harbaugh's only quote about James Hudson uh, so far this season was, "Yeah, he's playing really well in the games. I wish he would match that in the practice." Really, I didn't know he said that. So it seems like the practice rift along, and then now he didn't put him in in the backup mm-hmm. spot in this Michigan State game. I think. That snowballed yeah. into him transferring. That's it, it's interesting because uh, I think most people expected James Hudson to just kind of it, be the anointed one moving into tackle. But shout out to Ed Warner, just done an amazing job on each side with the tackles, and JBB kind of took that backup right tackle spot. So I I do find it weird because JBB is a redshirt senior. Right, yeah. so you'd expect James Hudson, the backup retro freshman, to kind of step into his spot and take it over next year. Maybe even compete on the left side. I, it, I think John Runyon is a fourth-year player with another year of eligibility left, so he might still hold on that left side. But it just seems weird to transfer when you Michigan isn't necessarily, uh, you know, well equipped to handle like a lot of tackles leaving. So it right. kind of gives you that opportunity, but. A couple things to point out. He was recruited as a defensive player. Yeah. So maybe he wanted to play on defense. I heard a couple people on the blog series mention that. And the other thing to watch out for is now Michigan has five players committed uh, next year as offensive linemen. One is a true offensive tackle from Georgia. His name is Trent A. Jones. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Michigan's in play for two other tackles. Both top 200 guys, one from Minnesota, one from Illinois. Illinois. So interesting to see if they are in play for both. Would they take both if they had that opportunity? Because then that bumps you up to seven offensive linemen, which kind of feels like a lot. for Especially for one year. Right, exactly. Um. All right, so we'll switch it over to special teams. Right, all right, so one? just a couple more things to talk about in the offense. I think we talked about this last week, but Shea's doing a really good job with those read options, pulling the ball. It's going to be interesting to see if they can kind of incorporate throwing. I feel like they haven't done that yet. But, you know, they still have two hard games to uh, play, so maybe they pull it out then. I mean, we talked about uh, possibly, you know, we, we're getting more predictable with the running, I feel. But that DP, that long shot to DPJ was just a beautifully thrown ball. It would be nice to see some of those, especially since last week we talked about you know, DPJ's only gone above 30 yards like once this year. I mean, that was like a 79-yard strike. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens when Tariq Black comes back. He was on the field. Yep. He didn't actually play because they called the timeout when he went in. He came back later. Oh, did he? Yeah, he was back later. Uh, he obviously didn't get a target or yeah. anything, but he was on the field. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. That was a good point. And then Kron Higdon, like, although we talked about him fumbling, another 100-yard game. What a monster. Against a, a number one rush team in the country, 130-plus yeah. yards. Shout out to Karan. And there was one run he had in particular where, like, he was actually stopped in the backfield and then converted that to, like, a 30-yard run. So, like, yeah. he's good. Yeah. Thank God he's on that team. Yeah, unbelievable. So before we switch it over to special teams then, I got a couple closing quotes from Shea Patterson. Um, so quote number one was, 
I haven't been a part of something like this throughout my football days. So that just really shows how how much fun he was having on the field on Saturday. And then quote number two, we were the better team. We knew we were the better school. And we just want to we, we just kind of wanted to shut everyone up. All right, so we are back <laughs> now, and we'll switch it over to special teams. Obviously, there's one big thing we wanted to talk about: Quinn Nordine. Right. What a shank. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, like the broadcast, like Joel Klatt was like, "Oh my!" <laughs> like it's just like a very like pure reaction. Like, what was that? <laughs> right. And obviously, I, I talked about it last week, how Chris Parcher's a special teams coach, wasn't really concerned with how Quinn Nordine was playing, saying he's 8 for 8, under 40, 3 of 6 beyond 40. But now, obviously, this is his first field goal miss under 40, and it was an absolute shank job. Uh, again, this was in the first half when it wasn't really that wet out. Um, do you think this is concerning? or I do think it's concerning because the you know we talked about that Wisconsin game where like he didn't make more of his field goals than he missed, but it did, it just like didn't look right. And now coming against this MSU kick was just like, what was that? I mean, <laughs> obviously weather sure plays a factor, but like, I mean, if this guy has NFL aspirations, like that can't be happening. Right. Absolutely. Uh, Will Hart got to shot him yeah. out again. He had another great game. He had right. some balls that he kicked inside the 10. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Hewlett for the fumble on the special teams. I mean, uh, like Kron did fumble like a couple plays later, but like that kind of like flipped the field for us where right. things could have kind of got, I mean, knowing our defense, things probably would not have gone bad, but man, things could have taken a turn for the weird at that point. Absolutely. All right. So that ends the game recap. Uh, now we'll do some awards of the week, but before we do that, uh, I heard from some sources in East Lansing that they played this song in the MSU locker room after the game. So I just wanted to quickly play it for you guys. All right, so that ends the game <laughs> recap there for you guys. Uh, we'll switch it over, do some quick award section for you. So some fun post-game tweets this right. week. Uh, so we got two Twiddle Me This Awards this week. These goes to the best tweets of the week. First one goes to Matt Dudek. Uh, he's Michigan's director of recruiting. Uh-huh. Uh, so the first one, is, so he tweeted, <laughs> this just in, Michigan State's pregame walk was six yards longer than what they had in the game. <laughs> Just I think a, that was my favorite one. Just an epic troll <laughs> tweet. And then the second total me this award of the week goes to Chase Winovich for his tweets uh, at Graham Couch. He's a sports uh, journalist at the Lansing State Journal, so obviously an MSU fan. Right. So Graham Couch, Graham Couch t- tweeted, um, uh, Chase was uh, in middle school when MSU began to take control of this uh, rivalry. That's a lot of... Uh, failing to put them back in their place just being silent sometimes is the best way to win stronger statement obviously he's saying that in reaction to chase's right. comments post game mm-hmm. calling uh, msu little brother so ms so chase one of tweeted back at him uh excuse me mr couch can you do me a favor real quick <laughs> and graham couch tweets back at him sure what can i do for you chase 
And Chase Winovich tweets, hold this L in <laughs> a bunch of laughing emojis. <laughs> that is like professional yeah. level troll tweeting. The funniest thing was I think someone uh, like tried to like line it up with like when Chase Winovich would have tweeted that. And they were like, dude, Chase Winovich is tweeting from the bus <laughs> from MSU back to Ann Arbor. <laughs> so, so funny. Um and then uh, sticking along the Chase Winovich uh, side of things, the press summary this award of the week goes to Don Brown. Mm-hmm. And he said, Chase, he said, quote unquote, Chase, I don't know what you call him, but he's a crazy man who just plays with his hair on fire all the time. <laughs> I think he has a tremendous effect on our football team because of his energy level. Nice. Um, another, and- another presser that he had on Monday was, uh, so last year, if you watched Michigan, you know, we did lose five games, but I feel like there were like almost every single game, there was like a point where like we were in the game and then it just kind of unraveled. The only game where that really didn't happen was that Penn State game where they absolutely clobbered us. It was 42 to, uh, was it 42? Yeah, 42 to 13, I believe the score was. Um, that was like, it seems to be Don Brown's like worst loss in Michigan. And his quote on Monday was, I wake up every morning and I think about that game, honest. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, he's going to have two weeks to prepare for this game. Ooh, I do not want to be like Trace McSorley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Especially because Penn State plays Iowa this weekend. No right. cupcake game for yeah. them to get prepared for Iowa us. Iowa has one loss right now. Yeah, absolutely. So, And they should have actually beaten Wisconsin if you watched that game. Morning mm. actually played out of his mind that game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So... And then we got a bonus Facebook be this post of the week. And this comes from Rashawn Gary's mom. Uh, So she said, honestly, her Facebook post was like a million words long. So I'm not going to read the whole thing for you. But the synopsis is, so Rashawn and I appreciate your support. He got hurt a week before the Notre Dame game. So before the season even started. However, he decided he could play through it and rehab during the week. However, at UM, it's all or nothing. Daily practice is just like a game, so he never had the chance to rest. So essentially what he's saying is uh, his injury got worse during the season. Right. He never got a chance to recover. And so he just needed about like four to six weeks to recover. And now if you're counting down the weeks, his last game was at Northwestern. Mm-hmm. And it's shaping up to be right about now. Right, hopefully. That he could potentially come back because obviously we got the bye week this coming Saturday, and then we go, uh, we play Penn State at home. So, anyway, she kind of wanted to put all the rumors mm-hmm. to bed. Rashawn Gary is not a quitter. Rashawn Gary is not quitting on the team. Rashawn Gary loves Michigan, so right. she's basically saying he could, she, he should probably come back this year, which is great news. Yeah, and like the one thing I do want to say about that is, if Rashawn needs to sit out the year to like rest for the upcoming NFL draft. I think he should do that. I mean, this is like he's playing for free right now. Let's just put that out there. He's worth millions of dollars. So if he needs to just say, hey, guys, like my NFL future is more important than, you know, any rivalry, I completely support him on that. But it seems like he does want to play for Michigan. So even if he comes back for the Ohio State game and can dominate, that would be dope. Right. So, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to disagree with you at all there, but. It'd be nice if you yeah. <laughs> Um All right. So now we'll go around the Big Ten. There's yep. obviously one big thing that happened uh, this past weekend, and that was at the Ohio State at Purdue game, and Ohio State got rocked. Purdue put up 49 on them. 
and Ohio State put up 20. Yeah, I cannot believe that. It was like a staple loss like last year yeah. when they when mm-hmm. they lost at Iowa uh, by like 30 or whatever yeah. it was. Oh, yeah. um, so, I mean, people are kind of giving us credit there. We Both Samir <laughs> and I, if you were listening last week, we both picked Purdue against the spread. Yeah. And they did a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> they did, definitely did a little bit more than that. But anyway, it's kind of like the all-time one of the all-time glorious right. weekends in Michigan yeah. sports when Pistons win, Lions win, a uh, Red Wings win, uh Michigan wins, Michigan State, State loses and Ohio State loses. Right. So pretty unbelievable there. Yeah. So for the Ohio State thing which I found like the most ridiculous thing of all, Reddit CFB put out a tweet and it said team P5 teams that have lost by 28 points or more during the 16, 17 and 18 season the teams are Arkansas, Baylor, Cal, Illinois, Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, mm-hmm. North Carolina, Ole Miss, Oregon, Rutgers, Tennessee. These are all terrible teams. Like, I mean, obviously some teams that are historically good, like Tennessee and Ole Miss, but Ohio State is also on that list. Right. Like, they are this amazing team that every year just – Shit's the bad. Like, just like <laughs> once a year. <laughs> like, I think 2016 was in the college football playoffs. Last year was that Iowa game where they got absolutely mauled. And then, like, Purdue? Seriously? Purdue? <laughs> yeah, Purdue. I-, I watched a lot of that game uh, during my night shift when I could take a break. Um, and Purdue just, they looked good. They made, <laughs> Ohio State made Purdue look really good. And, um, uh, their running back looked really good. Ohio State's pass defense were just getting gashed. And, uh, yeah, like you said, second straight year now where they put up this horrible performance. So <laughs> we talked about this blog a couple of times now. So 11 Warriors is the Ohio State Same version blog, of Emgo yeah. blog. And if you wanted some entertainment <laughs> yeah. after this loss, yeah. it was like... It was like the world was ending. They were like, <laughs> Urban Meyer's leaving. Urban Meyer's yeah. horrible. Um, yeah, it was like it was like things you could not believe you were reading. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it's like you guys are still like have five stars across the board. <laughs> like Urban Meyer's still a great coach, even though he's a shitty person. <laughs> right. Like, like calm down. Like you still only have one loss, and you have to play Michigan. Like you can get back in this. You like, control your whole destiny. Right. Um. All right. So that's the only game. Actually, we can quickly mention that Penn State played at Indiana, Indiana and yeah. they beat them thirty three twenty eight. So not a very impressive yeah. loss. Obviously, that's coming off of, or not a very impressive mm-hmm. win. Obviously, it's coming off of two straight losses right, in the yeah. two previous weeks. Yeah. So it seems like Joe Moorhead and Saquon Barkley were like way bigger losses than people expected Penn State to like go through. Right. All right, so we'll switch it over then. Now we, uh, the followers are sending some questions now, so we got to quickly right. answer some questions for them. Um, first, set. Oh, so one. So shout out to Canal in Philadelphia for giving <laughs> us some questions, but he went right. rapid fire. He gave us three, so we'll quickly answer his questions for him. Question number one: Do you believe that Tariq Black will play versus Penn State? Yes. yes. Question number two: What do you think of DPJ's progression as a route runner and complete receiver? Very, Very good. good. Yeah, I mean, he's he's playing well. Like, Nick Baumgartner actually had a good piece on this on Monday, how just, like, DPJ's, like, evolution from last year to this year has been, like, lights out, and, you know, he expects him to, like, just keep growing as a player. Yeah, and his run blocking in particular is outstanding. Yeah. Um, third question, do you believe Chris Evans should get more run? 
So I think he, sh- I mean, even though he had that fumble, I do think he should get more. I wouldn't necessarily say more runs, but I would say, you know, catch out, just get his, get the ball in his hands more is what I want to say. Yeah. I'm not going to disagree with you as far as the screen passes go. He showed he's really elusive out there mm-hmm. and a uh, really solid pass catcher, but no, I'm going to say no more runs. This Karan Higdon is unbelievable as a ball carrier. He's, he's like one of our best running backs in a long time. Right. And and feed Quran, <laughs> especially because <laughs> of that fumble. That was ridiculous. Yeah. That was horrible. That was, that was on a that was on a third down and long in our oh, at, in, at our in own our ten. 10. Yeah. you're not going to get the first down on that. The only thing you have to do is hold on to the football, and he fumbled it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, yeah, facts is facts. <laughs> facts is facts. And then now we got our second mailbag question. Shout out to Ryan from Grand Rapids for hitting us with this one. And his question is: Do we root for Alabama against LSU this weekend? So the answer is a resounding yes. Okay. What, what's the reason? So my reason behind that is uh, I'll let you go into – so I I'm, I put together a little list of like how the college football playoffs is going to shake out. Um, I excluded Michigan specifically because I didn't want to just like pencil in wins for us. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I would say yes just because last year we saw the committee select two SEC teams and – kind of don't want that to happen because Notre Dame's in play right now. Right. So I see why people are asking this question. Um, obviously, last year they took two SEC teams. Don't want that to happen again. But so people are asking this question under the situation that there's a one-loss Alabama um, who doesn't make the conference championship uh, versus a one-loss Michigan. Who would they take? One-loss Michigan versus one-loss Alabama. And actually, here's my take. I don't think it matters. And my take on that is because one last Bama versus one last U of M is not the same thing. One loss Alabama means they lost an SEC game in their division and don't go to the conference championship game, assuming LSU wins out. Right. One loss U of M would mean that we beat Penn State, we beat Ohio State, made it to the conference championship game. So we played in an extra game, won that game, and won the conference, which obviously the committee has said year after year, these things matter. Playing an extra right. game and winning your conference. But last year and the year before, both Ohio State and Alabama didn't even play in the conference title and still went on to the college football playoffs. Yeah, so I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but I am saying strength of schedule would then matter. Mm-hmm. And we our loss was out of conference against a really good Notre Dame team. And Alabama schedules nobody, and they don't play against their divi- uh, across their division against Florida this year, and they don't play Georgia this year. So who the hell are they playing? They're playing Texas A&M, and they're playing LSU, and they're assuming they lost to LSU. So I see why people are asking this question. I would say you can kind of root for Alabama to win the game, but I'm going to take a hot take and say I actually think it may not matter, but I'm not sure. So... Uh, I'm gonna go through every single conference and like go through wins and losses. In a yeah, bit. so we got a special. Maybe we can do that. You want to do that right now? Yeah, we got okay. a special segment so, for you. Samir's going around the country. So let me preface this by just saying how blessed we are, uh, or how quickly we came to accept this as a norm. Just last week we were saying, please let us beat Michigan State. Right. Now we beat them and Ohio State lost, and now we're like, all right, let's start playing out the scenarios right. for us to get in the playoffs. So we're blessed. Yeah, so I'm going to – I'm not going to pick any wins at this point. No wins, no losses. I'm just going to go through 
Well, Alabama's the one where I'm going to pick, and I'll, I'll show you why in a, bit, a little bit, but I'm just going to pick through what every team has to do to, like, get into the college football playoffs and, like, how Michigan's path most likely stacks out. Now, one thing I do want to say is, before we get into this, no group of five conference team has ever made it to the college football playoffs, and that includes UCF last year, who was undefeated, mm-hmm. and no team with more than one loss has ever made it to the college football playoffs. So I think those are two assumptions that we can kind of lean on. Now, if you look at the SEC, there are right now Georgia, Florida, Alabama, LSU are the four teams with zero losses or one loss. Alabama's the only one with zero losses. If they beat LSU, LSU has two losses, they're out. Georgia and Florida play each other. Mm-hmm. One of them's going to end up with a loss. Yeah. The other one's going to go to the conference championship game and presumably play Alabama. So that's why I want Alabama to go undefeated. They're in the playoffs. Every single other SEC team has two losses, kind of can pencil them out. Yeah, gotcha. Right now, if we look at the Pac-12, the only team with one loss is Washington State. They just beat Oregon. But they still have to play Stanford, Colorado, and their last game of the year is always they play Washington in the Apple Cup. Shout out to Sarah, my wife, <laughs> UW graduate. So we're going to be rooting for Washington pretty hard in that game, kind of knock out the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Next, the Big 12. This is a very interesting conference because they have Texas, Oklahoma, and West Virginia all with one loss. West Virginia has to play Texas and Oklahoma, so you can assume one of those teams is going to get a, at least one loss. The, obviously, the best would be West Virginia beats Texas, loses to Oklahoma, and then Oklahoma and one of those other two teams play again in the in the Big 12 championship game and kind of just, you know, all of them end up with two losses. That would be like the ideal scenario. I don't know if that's going to happen, but it just kind of seems like the Big 12's losses, especially Texas losing to Maryland, is going to kind of haunt them. Gotcha. And the one thing about the Big 12 championship game is the Big 12 doesn't actually have divisions. Divisions, right. It's just the first best team plays the second best team, which seems kind of silly because like you're you're kind of giving them a really hard game to play against. Right, right. I mean, if they can win that game and you're the top, obviously it looks good, but I don't know. That's a risk. Um, in the ACC, Clemson has zero losses and NC State has one loss. NC State just got shellacked by Clemson. <laughs> so we can presumably just pencil Clemson in as well. And the interesting thing about NC State is NC State is in Clemson division, so they could legitimately end up with only one loss. But I think that loss was so bad, it kind of knocks them out. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is, if West Virginia wins out and NC State kind of wins out, they had a game earlier this year which was canceled due to weather. So I wonder if that comes into play. I don't know how it would come into play because it has not been rescheduled. And you assume that... You know, West Virginia, if they went out, they would play in the Big 12 championship game. So I really don't know how that's going to work. But mm-hmm. that would be an interesting thing to see. Uh-huh. Um, going to the Big 10, the three undefeated teams are Michigan, Ohio State, Iowa. Michigan, Ohio State is kind of self-explanatory. You both have one loss. One Not you- undefeated teams. No, sorry. All three have one loss. Yeah. Michigan, Ohio State is pretty self-explanatory. If you win. And Michigan's loss is to not Notre Dame, in conference. Right. To Notre Dame. So one of those, whoever wins between those two teams could possibly go into the conference championship. Iowa's interesting because they only have one loss, but their one loss is to Wisconsin, who's in their division. Mm-hmm. So if Wisconsin wins out, I believe Wisconsin would actually go to the Big Ten championship game. Uh, and then it'd be interesting to see what Iowa does because Iowa's sitting at home with only one loss. I don't know what happens over there. Iowa does have to play Penn State at Penn State this upcoming week. So, I mean, that's a pretty tough game for them. And they're then, coming off a shutout against Maryland. They that is shut true. them out. Yeah. Um, no, Independence, Notre Dame. I mean, their only tough game left is like a pretty 
mediocre USC team at USC, but even like a one loss Notre Dame team kind of scares me because they did beat Michigan. I don't know how that'll shake out because that was the first game of the year. Absolutely. I mean, a, a lot of people are giving them flack that their opponents haven't looked really good this year, right. but that's not their fault. Yeah. They scheduled mm-hmm. they really schedule. good teams. Yeah. Michigan, Stanford, Stanford Tech, USC, yeah. and... Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Notre Dame wins out. I do believe they deserve to be in the, in the college football For players. sure. Lastly, we talked about the G5. Uh, UCF is still undefeated. 20 wins in a row. But right now, their strength of schedule is 127th, which is really really bad they still have to play cincinnati usf and temple all teams above 500 but so far they've only played teams that are 500 or worse which is pretty bad that's horrible Um, usf is undefeated but i and i think that if every single power five team uh if if it's alabama clemson notre dame all undefeated and then every single other power five team has two losses or more then I do think UCF will slip in, but I just don't see them overcoming a one-loss Power 5 team. Gotcha. Yeah. So are you, is that the... That, that's the end. I mean, we can... Uh, so we're not potting next week, but the week after that, we'll have a lot more games under our belt. Yeah. So we can kind of start eliminating some of these scenarios. But it's going to be interesting to see just because there's so many good one-loss teams. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how it shakes out. It's like I just said, it's, it's fun that we're in this conversation because after Notre Dame, we did not think we'd be here and shout out to Ohio State for getting that hell and, uh, lifting up now to number five in the country. So we'll switch it topics. Now we'll go real talker overreaction. Right. We got one hot one for you this week. So we don't Mm -hmm. give you a super, super long pod. Uh, and the real talk or overreaction is a wide receiver will go a hundred over a hundred yards this year. So for perspective, we do not have that yet. Yes. Zach Gentry has over a hundred yards receiving, but no wide receiver yet right. has over a hundred yeah. yards. So Nico's highest output this year was 73 yards against Northwestern and DPJ's highest output this year was 90 yards against SMU. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just for perspective. Yeah. So what do you think? I am going to say, no, I do not think a wide receiver will go above 100 yards this year. Overreaction. And, and to say that, we do play Rutgers this year, <laughs> which, I mean, we could literally pile it on. But my big thing is we have so many good wide receivers. We have a lot of good backups. I mean, we have Ronnie Bell, Oliver Martin. We haven't even talked about this much this year. Yeah. Like, he's a good wide receiver. So I can see our backups playing a lot which would kind of limit our wide receivers. Yeah, exactly. Our blowout games, we've gotten a lot of the backups in the game, so it's right. hard for the wide receivers to keep going. And I'm going to say real talk, despite what I said earlier this week, how we run the <laughs> ball too much and Pep Hamilton doesn't give our wide receivers enough love. But I think it'll happen once this year. DPJ is just really coming into his own and becoming a dominant receiver. Although one thing that makes it more difficult as well is that now Tariq Black is playing. So if he starts getting some catches, right, which right. I'm obviously rooting yeah. for him to get, mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, that might make it more yeah. difficult for a guy like DPJ yeah. or Nico to It'd go It'd be crazy if Tariq Black is the wide receiver that goes above <laughs> 100 yards this year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. So we'll switch it over to the rap outro then, also known as the Penn State Minute. Uh, so obviously we're recording this on Wednesday, October 24th. Um, we got a little bit of time left before uh, we get to Penn State. Um, 
And so, I mean, the rap outro this week is Addiction by Kanye West. We're addicted to football. Right. Uh, we're going to miss it this week. So we got to play some Addiction. Um, but anyway, do you have any... I know it's a long time from now, but do you have any thoughts on the Penn State game? Um, I my, my main thoughts are that Don Brown quote he had on Monday where I've been thinking about this for a whole year. I mean, if that... If that is true and we have two weeks to prepare, yeesh. Like, I was bullish on that Michigan State game. I'm pretty bullish about this Penn State game, especially after that showing against Indiana. Right, exactly. So now they're coming off three bad performances, two mm-hmm. losses against Ohio State and Michigan State. Right. And now they only beat Indiana by five. five yeah. So, yeah. Trace Dextoria is looking outstanding, but he doesn't have a lot of help around him. He put over 100 yards rushing last week. Mm -hmm. Uh, Actually did not have a passing touchdown last week. But, yeah, he doesn't have a lot of help. And I totally agree with you. Don Brown having two weeks of career against this team while they play Iowa this weekend is, like, really setting themselves up for a nice performance, especially because it's at home. Yeah. One thing that I think we'll do, so we're not potting next week, but once the line comes out, we'll give you our, uh, we'll tweet out our analysis on uh, where we expect Michigan, you know, do we expect Michigan to cover or not cover? I think both of us right now are predicting wins for Michigan, just the way we're playing and the way they're playing. So we'll see what that spread's like. Yeah, absolutely. So sorry for not having a pod next week. We're busy, men. I'm on nights right now. It's too much to handle. <laughs> but so listen to half the pod <laughs> this week. And then when Wednesday hits, listen to the second half. You know, I know you're going to have Galati pod withdrawals next week. So just prepping you for that. Yeah, absolutely. And so we're on a 336-hour break, approximately, as Around the Horn likes to do. (laughs) So, yeah, thanks again for listening. We're getting some awesome spreading of the pod, word of mouth spreading. So thanks for sharing it with your friends. Follow us on Twitter. Text, if you know us. Text us your questions. Tweet us your questions. Give us a review on Apple Pods. um, And we'll answer for you on the pod. Leave us a five-star review. Uh... And I know we got some listeners out there who haven't given us reviews on Apple Pods. If you like what we're doing, yeah, shout us out. Shout and we'll, us out. we'll give you some love from the pod for sure. Uh, and then breaking news, I am going to Penn State. So We're sending our own. <laughs> we love sending our own to the pod, uh, to the game, so we can get... So if you listen to the pod two weeks from now, we'll get some nice sideline reactions from you. And yeah, we'll go ahead and end the pod right there. We'll have a, a Bowie picks uh, right after the outro, so yeah. stay tuned for that. <laughs> yeah, we'll give you our nice bonus Bowie segment as always. She's two and zero. Bowie is two and zero on the season. It's unbelievable. Uh, anyway, we'll go ahead and end the pod right there. Uh, go blue and peace out. All right, welcome back to your bonus segment of the Galati Pod. We have. The all-star Bowie in our presence, 2-0 and against Wisconsin and Michigan State. She's whining right now, wants to pick the Penn State game eagerly, so we're going to do that right now. All right, so if you made it this far, you already know how it is. We got the special bonus segment for you where Bowie picks the winner of Michigan versus Penn State. As Samir already told you, she's 2-0 on the season now, picked Michigan both times. So Samir's got the Michigan treat in his left hand and the Penn State treat in his right hand, and Bowie is patiently waiting. Who will she pick? And the dog is released, and Bowie picks Michigan again. (laughs) Bowie, she is... The best dog, and 
we will see who wins. Like we said it before, Bowie's not a spread dog. She picks the winner, and she picks Michigan to beat Penn State. And you heard it here first. Michigan's going to win. Go Blue beats Penn State, and peace out. <laughs> <laughs>